That's a meteorical fact. My name is Matthew Kroll. And hey, look, it's a Ricky. My name is Shahir Down. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film Tramps. Available streaming now on Netflix and requested by listener Jacob in our 2000. Well, my God, I almost forgot the year. 2017 <laughs> Best of episode. If you recall back then, uh, uh, we had a uh, uh, special guest listener, Jacob, join us for that episode. And we offered him uh, an opportunity to, to request a film on air that we promised we would do. And we are here fulfilling that promise. And that film was Tramps. And Jacob, we're doing a little more. We're yeah. going a little. We've gone above and beyond your request. We've gone the extra mile. We've gone the extra mile for you. Well, actually, we haven't gone the extra mile. We haven't done it. We haven't done it. Let me take the credit for it, (laughs) and then people will understand. Yeah. (laughs) Joining us in the room today is producer of the film Tramps, Corey Dickler. How are you, Corey? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, Little backstory. Corey and I have worked together before on uh, a commercial project, which Mm -hmm. is how we met. Yeah. But then I was watching Tramps, and and, and at the end of it, the Credits rolled, and I was like, oh, my God, Corey. And I did a thing, which is I, I went and checked your IMDb. I knew you'd produced uh, a bunch of films before, but I didn't I didn't actually know which ones. And, and, and I was also interested to find out that you'd produced It Comes at Night, another movie yeah. that we reviewed mm-hmm. last year. Did you and, – and you listened to that review, I right? I did, yeah. I've listened to a lot of people's reviews of that movie because I think it's a pe- one people usually are divided about. Yeah, I think we were pretty <laughs> divided <laughs> on that film. Uh, but that's why I, I love it, that movie for that reason. So yeah. uh, we – interestingly, uh, we just – did uh, this is kind of one of those awkward, like, let's get to know each other kind of moments on a podcast. But we just did uh, a special Desert Island episode where we were like, yes. stuck on a desert island. What movie would you want to have as the movie that you would have to watch repeatedly? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but just whatever movie comes to mind, what would be your Desert Island movie? This is going to sound so maybe weird, but I would. <laughs> no, no, no. We have weird choices. We have very weird choices. Um, I have like two weird ones, uh, maybe. One would be Boogie Nights. Yeah. Amazing. I yeah. just rewatched that two weeks ago. Yeah, and I think it's just because I don't know what this says about me as a person, but when I was in film school, there was like about one month where I think I watched different clips of Boogie Nights over and over and over again. <laughs> that movie is eminently rewatchable as well. Yeah. Like it's like you could watch it's one like we talked about it on the podcast. We talked about one sock movies, which is what Guillermo del Toro says is like if a movie's on and you're putting your socks on. You'll sort of put one on, watch the whole movie, and then be stuck there for the oh night. My God. Yeah. <laughs> that's Boogie like, Nights that's, is a good one. Boogie yeah. Nights is a perfect one song. Yeah. What's your other one? What's I your would, other? There's like a, maybe two. I know this isn't limited You're breaking to one. the mold, but that's I'm fine. Sorry. You're the guest. You um, can do it. <laughs> um, this also is telling of maybe my psyche. I don't know. But I went through a really serious, I think very film school classic thing where I watched Blue Velvet repeatedly on yep. every um, family road trip my parents and oh. my brother and my sister went on. We drove to Florida a couple times in South Carolina and I watched Blue Velvet every day, which was a little nuts. But <laughs> on the lighter side, I'd say I watched the movie Beetlejuice a lot because I just think it's fun. Yeah. I think I, all three of those are really rewatchable movies. Yeah. Blue Velvet is one that like I can take to a limit. You know, like there's a there's a there's a degree of Blue Velvet I can take. Um, I think Boogie Nights out of those three for me is the one that is the most rewatchable. Like, a, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but it's a good sign of like the kinds of things you're into as well, mm-hmm. which are, all three of those I think are pretty nuanced character studies. And mm. they're also, they're fairly unusual character studies in, in that I think, you know, for example, uh, Beetlejuice is about a fairly goth, you know, like dark teenager who mm-hmm. kind of wants her parents to die. Kinda? A little bit. Kinda, Kinda does? 
close. Kind I'd of say. Dark. And Boogie Nights is, you know, pretty dark, a pretty dark look at the, well, it's dark and funny. Yeah. Uh, um, look at the, the porn industry in the 70s and, uh, and, um, uh, well, and then there's, there's David Lynch. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think what's so interesting about the three of them though, and I've thought about this a lot, is like, they're all very, like uh, they have discovered actors, like there are a lot of right. actors' mm-hmm. first performances that Comical. have then gone on to be huge actors. All dark-haired <clears throat> white people. That's very true. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, Winona Ryder, and Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, and then there's a bit even in um. There's Laura Dern. Yeah. So yeah. she is a white, white haired person. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Breaking the mold. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to bring up the Desert Island thing uh, as well, just because that was our last episode. And we've had a couple of people write into us with their Desert Island movies that we've been really excited about. Yep. Um, uh, we had uh, Jonathan Blade on Twitter writing in to say, Return of the King. The Lord of the Rings, the third movie in the Return of the King uh, trilogy would be his desert island movie. That's, that's not a bad choice, though. I don't know if the work you need to survive on a desert island, I don't know if you have enough time <laughs> to actually watch the extended edition of Return of the King uh, again and again and again. <laughs> I, I would, uh, the one thing I pointed out to uh, to Jonathan Played was that I, if he chooses Return of the King, he'll actually ha- be watching me uh, for every time, because I was an extra in that movie. Admittedly. Almost everyone in New Zealand was an extra in that movie, but I, but I was an extra in that movie. All right, movie. all right. Uh, um, we also got one from uh, uh, my friend Ross, who I hadn't spoken to in so long. This show is wonderful because it gets a lot of like my, my film school college friends back sort of in the mix. <laughs> and uh, Ross said his would be uh, either Iron Giant or Independence Day, but he also says very much he also understands that the idea of maybe some for someone Independence Day might be pure torture on, <laughs> on a desert island. Uh, but he did. Iron Giant's great, though. Yeah, yeah. Iron yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. And independent. I don't think Independence Day holds up, but yeah. I also think it's an impossible. What that at the moment that movie came out, at least for me, when I was, I guess, in high school. I don't know. Uh, yeah, ninety um, six. It it was just such a spectacle that I I think whatever problems that I sort of have with it now, maybe I wasn't, I didn't have the skill set to sort of see them, or I just didn't care. But now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a product of its time as well. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. a good transition also to Tramps because Margaret Collin is in Independence Day. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, did we have any other? Oh, and we had uh, listener Jacob who requested this episode tell yep. us that his uh, Desert Island movie, and he's unapologetic about this, is Hocus Pocus. There you go. I mean, I could see that. That's just a fun movie. Yeah, that's I mean, like tradition. You I, don't go into that thinking like it's going to be a cinematic <laughs> masterpiece. If you just can like enjoy Halloween and whatever, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, again, in Transitions to Tramp, the guy who picked this movie as, as a movie we must review, his favorite movie, well, his Desert Island movie, was is, it was Hocus Pocus. Yeah. So Hocus Pocus the Tramps. I think that might be my sister's. Really? That or I would say Clueless. I think she has seen them both about uncountable. In that genre, I think for me, it would be Death Becomes Her. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. In that genre of like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Which they're bringing to Broadway as a musical. Are they really? Which I'm, oh, I don't know. We'll see. It could yeah. be. It, maybe. Maybe. If you want to get in touch with us with your listener request or uh, you may have your Desert Island movies, We need more. Uh, please write us in at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. Drop us a review on iTunes. It's really helpful in, in spreading the word of the show. Uh, and uh, and uh, I know we're a little bit backlogged on our request. We're, we're, they're, they're coming in hard and fast and, we're, and we will say we eventually get to them. But we do eventually get to them. There's nothing like making excuses on why we haven't done requests while we're doing a request. (laughs) 
So this is going to be a slightly awkward moment here because it's going to be the best awkward moment. <laughs> yeah, because we're gonna we, we want to get our review of the way out of out of the way before <laughs> we talk to you, Corey. Um, so so Matt, do you want to go first or shall I go first? Well, or? I just want to say too, this is this is the first for the podcast too. We've never had someone whose film we're actively talking about. On the podcast. On the podcast while we actively we talk, talk about, about it. it. That is true. Amazing and scary. So it, it, it's cool. I like well, it. Well, unless he walks out while we do it. Well, then this will be a short episode. <laughs> uh, you, know, you want me to go first? Oh, yeah. wait. Do you want to do the IMDb description first? We read the IMDb descriptions oh. of, of, of all of and these. And you can tell us how accurate you feel this okay. is. Yeah, here we yeah. go. A young man and woman find love in an unlikely place while carrying out a shady deal. Is that? Mm. I fell in love in a hopeless place. What's that? I called? would say though, my biggest thing about the movie is: do they find love? I, I was gonna argue yeah. the same thing. I don't yeah. think they do. Yeah, I think they find a companionship and definitely someone who I think they see similarities of themselves inside of. But I don't know if it's like you know they find they ride off into the sunset and go have like an epic wedding or something at the end. Yeah, of it. if the sunset is the Port Authority bus terminal, <laughs> that's that's their equivalent of finding oh, love. Oh man, I want that to be how my movie ends, just with my life. I just want the, the Port Authority to be the last thing. <laughs> right. um, no, uh, no, I really dug it. Also, I loved, I was trying to figure out how to coin the term for it, because you could call it a heist movie, but you'd be wrong. You could call it like a, a, a drama or romance. I think you'd kind of, you'd kind of yeah. be wrong. Uh, the, the director, Adam Leon, uh, called it a romantic adventure. Like that mm -hmm. was his like terminology for the genre. And I was like, <laughs> it's yeah, like I like like that's very cool. And the, and the other thing I really liked about it was how fresh that like even in that just terminology, right? That the, the film itself and without doing any spoilers, um, it's not as <clears throat> like if, if there is a bit of a heist that goes on and then and things go wrong and, and all that sort of jazz. But like it never got super dark and heavy. Yeah. There were definitely stakes and I was definitely invested, but there was never like, you know, a super dark, crazy person that's like going off the handle and like hurting. Mm -hmm. Like it was just very it felt grounded and uh but still, but still had like a realism in 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 the problems that these yeah. characters were going to have. Um, I really dug uh, obviously the chemistry between uh, is it Callum or Callum? Callum, Callum, and Grace. Uh, they were great. Uh, so kudos to your casting department on that, Jazz. That was that was an excellent excellent were you involved choice. In that? <laughs> what were you involved in that? Um, I was. Uh, well, I didn't cast it, but yeah, we were. We got um, many like there were a lot of people auditioned for this, and there were some really good people. And I mm -hmm. like what Adam obviously ultimately chose the two of them for, and I think it really worked. Yeah. And then uh, the last thing I'll say is uh, I dug the. The, the hell out of actually the sort of way it was shot. It felt uh, mm -hmm. it felt haptic, but always appropriate when it got a little crazy. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of films that sort of lean into a shooting style that this one goes to from time to time gets they just do that like sort of all the time, where it becomes like a gimmick that's less about how they're trying to show us what they're showing us mm -hmm. and just like look what we're doing. Yeah, this never felt like that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so I dug that a lot. And uh, I also, and side note, this is just more of a, of a personal thing. I recognized nearly every spot in the city that it was shot in. <laughs> also, I lived for a uh, stint. I know this wasn't, it was, it was not, now I'm blanking. It's not, is it upstate or is it Jersey that they go to? It's a little outside the city in upstate New York. It's not super far away, but yeah. Right. I, I moved probably a similar distance into Jersey uh, for out of the city for a bit into like the same sort of like house and thing or whatever. <laughs> so like the road, they're walking down and everything like this. Look, everything about where these characters went. I'm like, oh my God, I've been here the <laughs> carnival etc so uh i dug the hell out of it and I, and i loved it too because i um 
I didn't. I purposely. I did something that Shahir always does, and I didn't watch the trailer. I just wanted to like actually sort of experience it and watch it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I really liked it. Cool. Um, so yeah, I know I look, and we wouldn't ask you here. Well, no, we, we wouldn't ask you here if we didn't like the film. No, we yeah, would have that. Totally. Com- we would, we would definitely have that conversation. It would be harder. It would be definitely <laughs> harder. But it was the one thing I think that's re- well. It's not the one thing. There are many things to like about this film. I'd seen um, Adam Leon's previous film, Give Me the Loot, before, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just an incredible breath of fresh air. It was a slice of New York I hadn't seen in a while. There was a kind of uh, freshness to that story, which really landed in sincerity to. Mm-hmm. What yeah. that film was. And he wasn't what I loved about um Leon's work in that film, and I think it comes through in Tramps as well, is there's not this sense of trying to be bigger than the characters' lives. There was a there was an article recently in The Guardian about like films about poor America. And I I don't I, I don't mm-hmm. want to use the word poverty too too um strongly here because this is not a case of like dire poverty, mm-hmm. like the 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 kind that which uh, the article refers to in terms of the Florida project. But I think the thing here that I really liked about this film is it's a small scale film about yeah. people encountering everyday problems. And the stakes of this film are literally $3,000, yep. you know, and, yeah. and, and for me, what, what's refreshing about that is it's small, but you feel it being incredibly important to the characters. And, and there's a sort of, there's no irony about that. There's a sense of sincerity about that that really works. Um, and so I kind of, I, I love this. Uh, um, there's, there's no denying that this is a small film. I'm sure you'll talk to us a little bit mm-hmm. about the budget and the constrictions of, of how this film was shot. Um, but but that, that sense of scale doesn't actually feel like a hindrance in this case. It actually feels like this is what the story is. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's one of those cases, I know you'll probably jump at me for saying this, where if it had more money, it might be a worse movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I can understand that. I think it would be a very different movie. Yeah. It would be a very, very different movie because also, and we can get into this, I guess, at some point, but like it also would be just different how Adam Leon shoots. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a, there's an interesting thing about the way Adam Leon shoots. And you can see this from the the sort of uh, topography of the titling. This is a very 1970s influenced film. Um, I I looked up a couple of his references and there's a there's a trilogy of Sidney Poitier films that were done mm-hmm. early on Saturday Night Uptown. Um, uh, what was the third? Uh, uh, sorry, Uptown Saturday Night and Let's Do It Again in a Piece of the Action, which are three sort of New York um, New York kind of small time crime films with uh, Bill Cosby and uh, and Sidney Poitier. And what I love about I, I have seen those films, but they were a very long time ago, uh, and it, they they sort of speak to that sense of like small scale kind of you know like criminals trying to pull off heist but they're not really criminals it's not the oceans mm-hmm. 11 sort of mold of, of criminality and i think the best example of that is seeing mike berbiglia in slacks <laughs> trying to organize like a, a, a briefcase switch in this film. yeah um i i think in that world as well what i love is the the sort of the actor's name was uh, Louis Chantier, I think it is. Or, uh, oh yeah, um, where he feels like the the sort of the most the power player in this yeah. film, but. At the same time, I feel like he's the guy at the office that gets dressed down for bringing in the wrong cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, like he's a power player amongst these, uh, amongst like the Mike Babiglier and, and Callum Turner and all those guys. But he's also like, as soon as he's not in this environment, yeah. he's like the lowest rung of the corporate ladder or something like that. Um, I love that sort of sense of like awkward scalability, yeah. which is which is charming. 
And I think that leads into like this other thing that 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 this film is, which is it's effortlessly charming. And I think a lot of that has to do with Grace Van Patten and uh, Calum Turner, who are such likable actors in this film, and who's just so uh, so endearing that that you kind of you know when they're having conversations about uh, Callum being a chef, it it it's it it's effective, and I could just see that conversation going for a long period of time. Yeah, uh, Adam Leon has this style of like doing long takes with actors where they just kind of like roll, and the conversation doesn't feel scripted, even though I'm sure it probably has some element of scripting to it. And I think that stuff is really lovely. The other reference point um, I kind of, in my mind that I think about a lot um, when it comes to these kinds of films is, you know, two lovers on the run. I think of um, Badlands, Bonnie and Clyde, um, and then uh, Breathless, mm-hmm. the, the Godard film. And it is no small part to the fact that Callum Turner kind of looks a little bit like Jean-Paul <laughs> Belmondo. Um, but I think, you know, what those films did and the 70s referencing, I know those those films were the new wave, so they're slightly uh, older in the 60s, but they made crime relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, they made like uh, sort of this, this, this like uh, sense of heist, uh, like what is the heist for the every or everyday ordinary person? And it's literally being on a, on a train stop and, and, um, and exchanging briefcases. So uh, all of that is to say the film is incredibly charming, effortlessly um, effortlessly endearing. Um, and, and it never feels like, uh, it wants to do much more than that other than capture our sense of like, where's this relationship going to go from this moment on? Like you said, I don't, I don't think it's actually a love story between these two people. I think it's the beginning of a love story that might take place. It could go to, uh, you know, my opinion is that this is these two, these two people are going to like drive each other nuts once they get off, once they get on that bus. Well, we're a little older than these characters yeah. are, so we maybe are looking at it from a bit of a jaded place. But I like, but I like, I, I kind of love the idea of those two characters getting on a bus together and riding yeah. off yeah. Uh, into into the world to discover what whether it works or not. Yeah, uh, I mean, I agree. I think one of the things that I really love about the film too is like what you were saying is, um, I think one of the things too about Adam Leon is that it he loves movies. He yeah. loves music and he loves New York. Yeah. And it is also like a bit of a love letter to all those things as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, they're just so charismatic and I think their performances really shine. And I think it really is really, really, um, it's just really effortless. It feels like a lot of effort went into it, but yeah, <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> that's but the way it goes, but it doesn't show on screen. Like it doesn't f- like, I know, like as I watch those, those scenes where it's a really long lens, like where these characters are mm-hmm. walking down, like in a story ball, but the other thing that I love as well is that this film was shot almost a block from where we're talking right now. <laughs> oh yeah. We it, spend a lot of time here. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's these like long takes with a long lens where the, where Grace Van Patten and, and Callum are kind of just walking down down the street mm-hmm. having a conversation. And the first thing that I was thinking about was like, oh, this is the way you make this movie because there's no way you can clear that street to actually have that conversation mm-hmm. in, and shoot it in a way that a traditional movie would. Yeah. Right. And, and so I was curious, you know, like jumping into your involvement just from a production point of view, how difficult was this or is it as easy as it looks? Um, it was, it was pretty difficult. I mean, I think, um, it was a really amazing experience and it was also very, um, very hard. Like it really was. We shot this movie in a very interesting way in which we did have a very, very small crew, um, and about 
a one little sprinter van truck full of stuff. Right. Oh God, and I've been we, there. Um, but it was all intentional. We all knew that going in and we were all very clear about that when hiring our department heads and very clear about that when we were doing things and everyone really was there for it and really knew what they were getting themselves into, which I think really actually helped it become what it became. But um, that particular shot that you're talking about, I think we did something like 50 takes of it. Really? Ooh. Yeah. And did people like stop? Because, okay, so the question I want to ask there is I, what you've just told me means that nobody got clearances for anyone that was on that street and nobody, <laughs> nothing was shut down and nobody on that street realizes that a film is being filmed. Um, that is correct. I, I will say it was entirely safe. I always want to preface that because I don't want everyone to think we were just like running around yeah. throwing our actors into something crazy, but, um, or the crew, but it was, um, we did actually at one point a cop came over and asked what we were doing and then actually helped us, you know, oh, really? move some people out of the way. Oh, wow. Um, but, I'm not, um, I'm not suggesting you guys didn't <laughs> no, have permits, but I'm just saying like, well, yeah, you yeah. did it in a way that, that was yeah, effective. Totally. There's a danger to like, especially when we're talking about like the, the term guerrilla filmmaking is sort of thrown around a bunch. I, this film never felt to me like it was a guerrilla filmmaking yeah. style because it was too it felt too measured mm -hmm. um which was a good thing in my opinion obviously but the but so like it was it was a cool sort of feeling though because you it while i did feel it was measured i was like how are they like i can tell <laughs> just from a just from a production standpoint i'm like i can tell that this is set up but it's feeling very not set up and it was i don't know it was that was one of the things that grabbed me from the beginning. It was kind of like a blend, to be yeah. honest with you. There's certain things we knew we could do and certain things we couldn't, and we had to figure out, you know, how to achieve those. And by that, it was like we would never, you know, completely do something out of permit or something. But if we wanted the most authentic way to film it, that would have been it, yeah. the way that we did it. Yeah. So, for example, the scene in Grand Central Station, was the ticket attendant an actress <laughs> or was that just literally someone you guys like they they just went up and asked the question oh man i'm giving away all this it, um, <laughs> if you don't want to talk about it um that so that one actually was just um them being in um grand central <laughs> yeah yeah if, i mean like i i know the the reality of trying to shoot in grand central oh. and it felt like you guys yeah. pretty much you got the the production value of Grand Central without having to pay for the production value of Grand Central. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's okay. You you got away with a crime. Now is the time to, to gloat about it, oh, man. I don't, know, I don't know if recording is the time to get away with it. Um, um, no, I, I I think the the and Ashley Connor uh, was yeah. the DP on the film. Ashley and I actually met recently on a panel. <clears throat> Uh, for SAG after amazing. Um, so uh, I big big kudos to her for actually like yeah diving in head first into this kind of film. I love Ashley Connor endlessly. I actually went to film school with Ashley Connor, oh, and I've you. known her for about thirteen years now. Yeah, um, she's a very good friend of mine. And actually, when this movie came up, I had heard about this movie. Um, from a few different people who were thinking about doing it, like different producers. And we're like, oh, I might be doing this movie this summer. And um, some of the people that I uh, were talk was talking with originally didn't end up doing it just because of scheduling. But I n remember bringing Ashley up when I started getting involved a little bit or inquiring about the movie as someone who I thought would be really good for it. And I'm really glad that she worked out. And I mean, she's amazing and her 
resume is incredible and she's just a real trooper and warrior her uh, <laughs> the film that she just dp'd just won sundance mm -hmm. uh the miseducation yeah miseducation miseducation mm -hmm. of, Mis of cameron post yeah desiree akavan's film oh yeah i love um all the people involved with that one too yeah they have a good group which some of them were involved in this one actually beachside films did that movie okay michael clark is with them and he was um uh involved with this movie as well okay so so Back up one second, unless you want to jump. Oh, no, in no, that. no, please. Um, tell us how how you got involved in this film and what yeah. what was the kind of thing you were looking for, or what excited you about this project? Totally. So, um, I actually, so it's interesting. I, I always find this interesting because I think, especially for film students or people who don't really know much about film, they don't really know what producers do. Mm -hmm. And technically, in this film, I'm a co-producer, and by that, it means just really I what they already had optioned this movie. Mm -hmm. There was already money for it. It was already going to happen. Um, and Kingdom, who are amazing, and I love working with them. I also worked with them when it comes at night. Had already had a working relationship with Adam Leon, um, and they already kind of had this off the, gra the ground. And they were really looking for someone to then kind of come in and um, run with it in a way. Mm -hmm. And me and the other producer Andrea Roa did a lot of that legwork, like literally getting like the production designer and a DP, and bringing on the creative department heads that would fulfill um, Adam's vision and like really really sitting down and being like, okay, so how do we, how do we do this yeah. really? Um, and that's like where I came in and I had been, um, in touch with this movie from the people at animal kingdom. And I was just really looking for honestly, a really good New York movie. And by that is I, in my career, I had done a lot of away jobs. They refer to them as yep. where I was traveling and I wasn't really doing that much in New York. And I was actually, it kind of like fell out of the sky and worked perfectly. I was really looking for this summer movie in New York city that I felt like would be fun and challenging and hard and something like I've never done before. And, um, it, that was that. And, and, uh, oh, no, I was just going to say, I, this is sort of a, an aside, but like, I do, I love that little bit of the story because like, it, there's something that I think, and, and and film students will 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 learn this uh, if they already <laughs> don't know. But like, it's for the most part, unless you get caught into a into a larger sort of corporation or things like that. Like, there's a lot of freelance yeah. going on. I mean, I'm freelance. I've been freelance for the majority of my life. I've only had one or two sort of staff positions. The the it, it and you do you travel a bunch. You do a sort of stuff, and then mm -hmm. like there is that moment where you're just like, yeah, like can I can I just find something in my freaking yeah. <laughs> Totally. And it's actually something really interesting with the film industry. And I always feel like I say this when I'm uh, describing it to people when they were like, well, what exactly do you do? Because a producer can do eight million different it's things. It's nebulous. Yeah. yeah. There's like line producers and executive producers and co-producers and associate producers. And they at all different. It's sometimes people are just producers in a movie because they are their name is on the movie yeah, and uh -huh. there's really no other reason. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I always think it's so interesting because everybody in the film industry is kind of technically a freelancer, unless you are like a big studio executive, yeah. like Julia Roberts is a freelancer. If she doesn't make a movie or do an endorsement deal, like she doesn't get paid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and three picture deals and things like that don't even they're. I feel like they're just coming back now because of streaming services and stuff, yeah. but um, they don't really exist that much anymore. So it, everyone's kind of freelancing and looking for their, the, their next job kind of the similar way everyone else's. Yeah. So, so jumping over you, you obviously the last film that we talked about that you had been involved in as well was, uh, it comes at night. Mm -hmm. What, what are some of the other projects that you've worked on that we might be familiar with or, 
uh, yeah. or that you're really like, you know, that that represent the kind of work you really want to put out. Um, there. I did a movie. Oh God, we shot it like four years ago, which is really crazy. Um, that I really, really love so much, and I loved all the people I did that one with called King Jack. Okay, which is a very, very small movie that was at Tribeca. Um, and I loved that movie a lot. And um, Felix, the director, won the Keel Somebody to Watch Award at the Indie Spirits after that movie. But that was a very small and sensitive project that I really enjoyed. Um, and then when I was line producing, actually, I did this movie James White um, mm. a while a while back, which was um, with the Borderline Films guys who did Martha Marcy yes. May Marlene and, yes, and Simon Killer. Um, yeah. And I did that movie, which was uh, yeah. I think a lot of like indie people really love and like that movie a lot. Um, but I feel like um, I don't know when I've always like done movies, I've always <laughs> tried to like pick something radically different from what I just did beforehand. Um, and even when I look at my own what year I did each project, that's kind of how I've chosen and it's fallen and that way and worked. But well, that, that's one of the best things about freelance, too. Yeah, is that's, that's one of the few perks yeah. is you get to do things like that and sort of change, change up your game when you'd like to. So <laughs> totally. that's very cool. And I have a couple things in development now that are very different from each other and very different from some things I've done before. So yeah, you're right. You just really get to pick but now hopefully it works out. Yeah. So with regards to, you know, like the way it comes at night was shot for, ex- just for example, versus this, uh, it comes at night is obviously a fairly austere film. It's very, it's very, um, uh, deliberate. It's very, you know, selective in the way it's mm-hmm. in shot. Whereas this feels, um, not, not the opposite of that, but it has a sense of like capturing mm-hmm. a moment, you know, as it, as it unfolds. Yeah. And I, I was, uh, when you kind of read the script and knew what this was going to be, what were the, what were the immediate things that went through your mind in terms of like logi- logistics or just the things that producers think about? Um, I mean, honestly, I really did think a lot about the crew Yeah, because I think um, you really have to have like a really solid front going into a movie like this because Mm -hmm. it's really all movies are hard and sometimes movies fall apart when you're filming them because of the it just doesn't no one gels and it doesn't jive really well and it's not good vibes or it doesn't work. So like what that was the biggest thing is like, we really got to get some amazing people up in here because it's going to be, it's going to be hot. We're in New York (laughs) shooting in July and August in New York city. We're going to be moving everywhere. There was some days on this movie. We actually did like three locations in one day. Wow. We're going to be mobile and we're going to have to be flexible. So we have to like really figure out the best people who will be able to work under that capacity. But then also just the logistics of it, you know, like we, how we move around efficiently and how we shoot the way that Adam wants to shoot and how to, but at the same time, make a good movie while doing that. And I think, I think that uh, the, again, it comes back to that point, which is like, if you had more money, I think it would actually, it, potentially, I'm speaking hypothetically, of course, because <laughs> I'm sure everyone would love more money to make this movie. But I think if there's a, there's a sense here that the, the community that you build to make a film actually reflects the spirit mm-hmm, of the film itself. Mm-hmm. And in this case, kind of, I think, you know, like, it seems like when you guys break to go upstate New York, it's kind of like a break for the film as well. And everyone kind of like, <laughs> oh, we're moving out of the city now there's a little bit more room to move and the yeah. film feels like it opens up in that respect as yeah well. I agree and I love that about the film because it is like you were just going back to what you were saying is I also think like there are two very different films Tramps and It Comes at Night mm-hmm. and I think the reason is also the energy the yeah. energies in the two movies are completely yeah different and mm-hmm. I think that the reason why they were shot the way they shot 
yeah. is that way, but I think it works in that way. Cause like it comes on, it is very deliberate and Trey is yeah. very deliberate. Yeah. Um, and Adam works in a different way. So yeah. And both of the DPs work in a very different way. Of course. Of course. So yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? The, uh, Oh, something I want to touch about. Um, I guess it's sort of on the same, uh, wavelength as well. We, we've talked about the, the way this movie is now being seen mm-hmm. when it premiered in, in, Tor- At, in Toronto. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, and now it's on Netflix. And now it's like, yep. Uh, I wanted to sort of, this might be uh, not a loaded question, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I'm just sort of interested in your perspective of it from, from the, the producerial side. We've talked about this whole thing about how distribution is changing and some people are doing this, some people are doing that. And then Netflix and these other streaming services are becoming like larger mm-hmm. entities and, and ways for people to see films that either they might not have seen or, yeah. or maybe just easier to do. Uh even before this project, and then we'll sort of get into this, maybe this project story with how it went to Netflix or whatnot. How do you feel about the, that sort of, I don't even want to call it a paradigm shift yet because I don't think it's, it's, it's shifted, but it's, it's, a, it's a different uh, you know, addition to how people see it. How do you sort of, do, mm-hmm. do, you, is, do you see it as an overall positive, negative, the same? I think it really depends for the movie, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, in the project, because I think there's many movies... Um, that even I have worked on or seen or my friends have worked on that I'm like streaming may not have worked so well for them or it didn't if they went that route or um, and some it really does Mm -hmm. I think it really is just project by project and also I think what just makes sense um, honestly from the offers that you get for that movie sometimes you may only get a couple streaming offers and that's it so you're you're going down the streaming route no matter yeah, yeah. going anyway, down the stream if you will yeah. you're literally going down the stream no matter what <laughs> um so yeah i think it just depends on the project i think there's some projects that i've even worked on where i was like oh unfortunately i wish i got a bigger a, a bigger, bigger rollout but yeah. yeah i i think for me the 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 film actually works on a streaming platform now again matt and i kind of have a slightly different uh, ability to view these films. We have projectors in our living room, so we watch it <laughs> like it's a theater. That's amazing. And I and I I did a thing. So I've seen this film twice. The first time I watched it on the projector, mm-hmm. so it kind of felt. What I loved is like seeing my neighborhood, mm-hmm. seeing basically them travel cool. down the NR line, you know, like and feel feeling it be cinematic. Mm-hmm. The second time I watched it, I said, "Oh, you know what? I'm actually just going to watch this on a small screen now, just to see if it feels different." And the thing that I think carries through either option in this case is the sincerity of the relationship. Yeah. And, and if it wasn't for that, I think the streaming would be a problem. Yeah. That's uh, a really good point. And I agree with you because there's certain movies that obviously, unfortunately, if you do streaming, you do have to realize you're going to have viewers that are looking on their phone yeah, or yeah. Like, are going to be looking on a tablet, which obviously maybe when you were making the movie, yeah, I'm sure not everyone was like, I can't wait for someone to watch this on their phone. But, yeah, yeah. Um, that's nowadays that's going to happen anyway, if they rent the movie on iTunes or yeah. So it's almost unavoidable, but um, yeah, I think it, yeah. So. Well, what, one of what I like about this is I feel like this is a movie you could watch on your phone yeah. and enjoy. And I don't want that to sound like it's diminutive of, of the no, film itself. I think it's just, it plays to what the film's strengths are, which is its scale. Yeah. I think what's really good about it though is, I mean, for this movie, I think it was kind of great that it was on Netflix personally. Mm-hmm. It's obviously a personal opinion. And I think because I think it is like a very short yeah. kind of um uh, 
I think it's like a friendly film and I think it's one of those movies that sometimes is best watched without knowing much and maybe yeah. someone will stumble upon it and turn it on yeah. and just kind of be taken on this very short, because it's only like about 80 minutes long, yeah. Yeah. kind of romp um, that definitely has some throwback elements to like classic 70s films like you were <laughs> saying and sometimes it's best to go in cold and that's like what I kind of enjoy about it for this movie. Yeah. It felt like something, I, I had uh, hints at a, a film that got me interested even in film uh, in general back in the day and this might be a little bit off and then I'll sort of explain my 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 reasoning when after I watched it I, I, I was having a similar feeling of enjoyment that I hadn't had like a specific kind of enjoyment mm-hmm. uh, that I hadn't had with the film in a while and I was like when's the last time I actually felt like this little like twinge of I don't know what <laughs> I don't even know what the emotion is called but this specific type of thing and I was like oh man it was back in high school when I first watched a DVD of Run Lola Run. Oh, wow. It actually has that similar sit-up as well. And it feels like a 2018, or I know it was, it was 2000, uh, when was it actually we, when shot? We shot it. We shot it. And, okay, so that's actually a whole question. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, we can get, that's not important to the thing I'm about to say. We'll get into that process. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, has, it, it feels like a of the times... And obviously less like uh, um, the psychedelic, and, yeah. 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 Uh, run Lola Run. It feels like it feels like the current day. Like wh- what I'd want Run Lola Run to be today. Yeah, and <laughs> oh, cool. which is a weird thing. I mean, you think about when I was like sixteen, seeing Run Lola Run. I'm like, whoa, like that crazy, you know, haptic sense there. Yeah. And now this, with the way uh, you know my life is now, and the way that I experience the world, I got the same tinge, but from a very different style of film. But there's some there's some connection that my brain did, and mm. it was a lot lovely experience to have again and I, I was not expecting yeah. that. I know it's actually a really interesting movie that I think you can kind of do that with like you were saying before where it's genreless in a way like yeah. I just feel like I was it's like before sunrise yeah, but like now like run Lola run yeah. and yeah. there was elements of like yeah. yeah yeah and then like a real like old school Sydney Lumet like 70s mm-hmm. yeah. day afternoon kind of thing. Yeah. And every time it, I, it was funny because you know obviously we knew you were coming on and I was like I was like well, there's got to be something about this movie like I don't like, and I'd look, I'd look for a trope or I'd look for because I didn't want, I didn't just want to like blow smoke up something, you know. Like I just yeah, want to yeah. like be honest about a thing, and I was like the briefcase while I was watching the entirety mm-hmm. of the. I mean, this might get into a, a small spoiler <laughs> at, at this point, or maybe I won't even spoil it because it is a nice thing. But I get so sick of the briefcase trope in films, mm-hmm. even you know small whatever. And the moment you find out what's in the briefcase, I was like. How did these fuckers do this? How did they make this the perfect brief? I, I don't care. It's the best thing. And I was like, God damn it. I like everything about this film. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. There's, there's so many small moments like that throughout it that feel so earnest. Like it. anytime I thought it was going to go into a camp I didn't like, it's like, no, you're an idiot, Matt. And it turned me back around for making an assumption. Uh and I don't know. I just I dug the small the the moment where they take the dress and the shaving like that mm-hmm. is, for me was like that was like all right you have yeah. you have me. Hey, forever. you gotta put some new clothes on. They've been running around for a while. <laughs> they yeah. have been running Swinny around. Swinny New Yorkers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the clothes that they steal are obviously way more expensive and yeah. stuff than they usually have. Yeah. So what I love is the, the clothes that they steal. <laughs> the clothes that she steals are perfectly fit her, and the, cl- <laughs> and the shirt that he steals or it takes is uh-huh. like way oversized for him. Um, uh, but the, there is this sort of like um, uh, again, it comes down to. Um, so there's something I want to talk about in terms of like production and 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 something that I think a lot about in terms of directing is crafting an environment that allows real intimacy to happen. Mm-hmm. And and what's lovely about this film, I, th- I think in this case, 
I mean, Adam Leon's obviously the writer director and a lot of it comes from the script. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nice touches to this film that really makes it endearing. Like I, my, my initial, you know, like your briefcase thing, my initial thing was I, I knew as soon as I saw her and I saw him that this was going to be about those two characters Mm -hmm. getting together. And I felt that his attraction to her was a little too immediate. Like it was like, it was just too obvious, you know, like, Mm -hmm. of course he's going to start, you know, like saying lines that it's this beautiful girl kind of like ends up in your life. But, but what I loved about it was how disarming she is and like how she immediately like completely like shuts him down. And, and the, the line I love uh, in this film was when he says to her that they're having a conversation. She used to work at a strip club, but says, no, I didn't used to like strip. I didn't used to be in the back room or anything like that. And, and then there's a little bit back and forth and she, and she says, what, you think I'm a whore now? And he, and he says, if you told me you slept with a thousand women, I wouldn't think you were a whore. (laughs) And it's this like lovely, like intimate moment where, where we see how disarming that is for her, you know, like, and suddenly like the relationship feels like it has potential to blossom now because we've see that these two characters are kind of playing on equal ish footing. And what I'm curious about is from an overall production point of view, how, what, what do you, what is your thinking in terms of like giving the filmmakers or the actual production, the story itself, the room to breathe, to do that as opposed to, you know, the chasing on the bus or, you know, like running through Port Authority times, you know, and, and shooting in Grand Central. Mm-hmm. What's the sort of balance of time that you kind of think about there? Do you mean like balance of time is how much we shoot for each one? How or? much you shoot or how much you kind of like go, you know what, if we don't get Grand Central, it's okay because we've, we're going to spend three days on this one scene. Uh, is it like that or is it? No, I mean, it's, uh, no. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, what is it like? I think it's, well, I think it depends on the director, but I think like all of the things we shot for this were very crucial and it, there were days that we mm-hmm. did take a lot longer to shoot something than other, but we still had to find a way to make the other thing happen. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, just to kind of lead, if I can, just like, I mean, the shooting for this was very different than other movies I've ever shot before. We started shooting it in the summer of 2015 mm-hmm. and we shot for something about, oh gosh, I want to say like 35 days, wow. which is really long for a small movie. Yeah. Full days or kind of, would you sort of go for daylight hours? It, de- it depends on the scheduling and what we did. Um, but yeah, some were really long days and some just happened to be shorter. Yeah. Um, and then we did more shooting in December of 2015. Okay. What did you pick up? Um, we actually shot new material and we switched some things around mm-hmm. actually. And yeah. um, we shot the ending of the movie. We shot a uh, Margaret Collins scene in the w- winter time. Okay. Um, and then they did some more kind of one day of pickups in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, ish and then we did uh, maybe in February and then they did maybe I wasn't actually on to do the last couple days in March but um because I was just busy, but um, they a few more days in I think March of 2016. Yeah, I mean that's a long time for any. I mean mm-hmm. any. Again, we were talking about freelancers. Most people are probably jumping onto their next yeah. their next thing by that point. And sometimes we had to do something creative. Like if someone couldn't come, who would be the recommendation that yeah. they would you know be able to fill their shoes, sort of thing. But yeah, um, it was a longer process for sure. So and and what what do you think were the things that. Uh, 
got shaped through those pickups, you know, cause like often pickups are kind of done because you get into the edit mm-hmm. and you realize either you didn't get something that you wanted or something that you did get doesn't quite work the way you think yeah. it will. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, it's hard to say cause obviously I'm not Adam and I don't want to yeah. speak too much on his behalf or his process, but I think he likes to try things out. Yeah. So I think there's just certain things like that we shot that he tried out that maybe we decided would work a different way and then we would reshoot them or redo things or mm-hmm. shoot them again at a later date or move the schedule around like it was really kind of flexible in that way which is why we were saying before like the crew was so important but I really I mean our actors were so amazing because they were down for whatever yeah. and were able yeah. to work this way and I mean Callum is also just incredible in general because he's English and yeah. not Polish and not from New York City and Grace is amazing because I feel like they both were just there for it right. yeah. understood what was going to happen and everyone was just like there were days we were like oh we're not actually going to do that this day we're going to do something else and we're going to do that another day and yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with with the with the sort of the spreading out of the of the shooting schedule, this is more of just a, a personal sort of uh, interest of mine. Like, did did the did a lot of the structure of the story change from the original script, or was no. it all sort of like nuanced things? Like, I'd really like to try this, or I'd like to do sort of like a different slight take. Different things with. Um yeah, like maybe some character arcs and stuff like that. But the structure of the story was always the same. And yeah. there was a script for sure. And um, Adam and his collaborator, Jamin Washington, who was also producing the films, do a lot of that together. Gotcha. Right. Um, but they, um, there was a script and, you know, it was just mostly things that we would go back and try differently. Yeah. And the reason I asked that is, again, it, it the, the film itself, and it kind of goes back to my uh, sort of thing about the, the, the style of the cinematography of the film. Like... It has elements of feeling like it's gorilla, but I know from production side it's not gorilla. It's mm-hmm. the same sort of thing. This this the story has a feeling of like, oh, it could go any way, and it's it's it doesn't have I I improv's the wrong word, but I have to find a sort of middle ground between like full tight scripted yeah. and like whatever. But you see through the cracks of being in production and whatnot, they're like, no, this is this is put together in this very specific way to make you feel like it's not put together in this very specific, I don't know. <laughs> like it, it, it does this, this, this film, uh, does a lot of my favorite kind of trickery, at least from looking at it from an, uh, uh, industry perspective, it's sort of backwards. I'm, I, I don't know. It was, it was, it was fun on a just enjoyment level. And it was also fun on a like, yeah, I want to know how they made this feel like this sort of level. <laughs> I mean, some things were gorilla. Yeah. Um, and some things weren't cause you just can't. But, yeah. Um, and then, uh, in order, I think for us when things were not, and we wanted them to be, we had a lot of crew members as uh cast yeah, and a lot yeah. of people doing some, background work. Yeah, and that's like that's that. and I think that comes to like your thing about like making sure it's the right kind of crew cuz I've worked on crews where you're not going to get like your gaffer to mm-hmm. jump in and be an extra. They'll just be like, nope, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. But this kind of was this kind of the situation where everyone was like, nah, it's cool. Think everyone was just, yeah, ready for it. And I think there wasn't any other way to do it. To right. be honest with you, it just wasn't going to change. And that was the way we sh- we set up the ship. So once it was sailing, it was like, you got to keep it going. <laughs> Otherwise. <laughs> so, so curiously, was there, were there situations? I feel like this was a film made in public as well. This was a film where like, you're not, 
block enough streets, you're kind of just walking down it as people are walking through. Sometimes, yeah. How how uh, were there people like were they happy accidents or was it like oh god we've ruined that take every single time? Yeah, I mean that's also where we had to <laughs> shoot some stuff again and again because there were some circumstances where it was just hard to get what we wanted to get. But yeah, it was a mixture of both. Like right. some things we were just walking on the street and some things we had to you know make it a little more locked up because you just got it. It just yeah. it just wasn't working. Like the Port Authority scene at the end of the movie was completely um, permitted and yeah. rented and right. we filmed it in the middle of the night and we had a, it was their biggest actual background actor day that we had to hire the background people and oh, wow. um, there was a lot there are still some crew members in there because after X amount of people you could start yeah. uh, as long as you know so many are SAG and stuff it's, yeah. um, it's funny because I used to again live in Jersey so I used to do a lot of late night buses back out of those specific <laughs> ports and that was one where I'm like oh these are I mean only because I'd done it and I'd seen the level of crazy at 2am at that, that place I was like oh this must have been something that was that was set up correctly because yeah. I was just so used. I was like, there was no. I'm like, I was thinking of the logistical nightmares of doing it with actual people. Yeah, and I also just don't think it would have worked. No, my, my personal opinion for the actors, I think it would have been really hard to do that yeah. with all the chaos going on behind yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. was with in regards to the actors, was there a lot of rehearsal time with those two, or was it kind of like let's just jump in? Um, they he'd worked with them, yeah, and there was a lot of prep work. And Callum is incredible, and he actually came here and did a lot of research and lived in. Greenpoint for about a month yeah. oh, nice. beforehand and learned to speak Polish. Yeah, that's and, pretty um, amazing. Yeah, he hung out. He spent a lot of time with the crew and a lot of time just going out on his own in Greenpoint and just wanting to be, you know, the person who was in the movie. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, yeah, it wasn't so rehearsed though but yeah it wasn't like you guys spent like four weeks rehearsing or no. anything like that what I love about Callum is he feels like a shift because he puts out a oil fire with like uh, depriving oxygen rather than what I would do which is like throwing water the on it the mother tried to throw <laughs> yeah, water on it he's like yeah like it wasn't the first time he'd had to stop <laughs> yeah, it yeah and I felt I felt like this authenticity about him yeah what I also liked um, particularly in his character was this um this I think this is something that Adam said in a press release or something along those lines um, was that he was openly lying about who he was in some respects. You know, he would, he would say he was a chef in a restaurant when in fact he worked the chubby burgers around the corner. Mm-hmm. But but uh, but it was kind of like it wasn't so much a lie as much as it felt like he was like trying on his best self. You're yeah. talking yourself up. I, we've all done, am I the only one that's done that? I've yeah, done that. Every- I, think, I think he also is just, he's figuring himself out, right? I think yeah. they all are, obviously. And I think they, especially especially the two leads, but I think he is, yeah, he's putting his best self out there. But I also think he's looking for something in this experience that maybe she's looking a little differently at. But right. yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> So he was the one. Yeah, he's the one that wanted to share and she initially didn't. And then like the stories come out. And again, I felt I don't know. I related to him so much in those moments because I've been (laughs) talking to girls before and I've been like or hell, you know what? Even even professionally, especially when you're starting out, you're sort of doing a little bit of faking it till you're making it sort of thing. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. you don't just work at the burger joint. You're a chef at a restaurant. Yeah, I think (laughs) you have to realize who to remember that he is not supposed to be there and he did not choose to be in this experience like she did and I don't think he knows what's going on I don't think he meant to meet somebody like her that day and I think he's just a little confused (laughs) in the beginning and trying to figure out the best way to go about this without looking completely like a a jackass so from a story point of view how do you think they're going to do 
How do you think? How do you think Callan and Grace are gonna? <laughs> no, I don't know if this is bad of me, but I haven't. You mean as uh, actors? As, no, as a couple. Oh, as a as, couple. Like the, char- the characters. We'll talk. <laughs> I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I haven't. I haven't spent that much time thinking about it on this one because I think there's they have their whole lives in front of them and they're so young and i think this is literally the movie is a moment captured within like three days pretty much yeah that i don't know if i want to spend that much time thinking about it like i have my ideas that i kind of keep to myself and i've thought about it so much when we were filming it but like i don't know if i want to dig too deep and be the (laughs) cynical movie watcher lover and producer that i am and like really break apart what's gonna happen (laughs) to them i i almost feel like they get in that bus and they go and live life the way that the rest of us do and it's gonna have eight million ups and downs and that's that's what happens but, and that feels like authentic to what the film is because they yeah. have like eight million ups and downs I, in I, three yeah. days i have yeah. no idea what's gonna happen to them and i no one does either i have no idea what's gonna happen to me tomorrow and i think that's kind of the whole <laughs> what do you think is gonna happen to mike Birbiglia? <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love mike Birbiglia. yeah he's a he's a dream <laughs> um I, I mean, look, uh, I think I, I said this. Uh, the, the other thing I wanted to bring up as well was this this one quote that Adam uh, mentioned. I think it was in an interview with uh, uh, Roger Ebert's, um, uh, the Roger Ebert site. And it was something along the lines of Adam said, um, I want to make a film that's somebody's favorite film of the year. And, <laughs> and, and what I love about that quote is what, what I think works in favor of this movie is it's about specificity. And what I mean is like a lot of the movies we go into and we talk about are about trying to please everybody. Sure. And this film has this kind of like specificity to it where it's like, okay, if you don't like it, it's not for you. You know, if you do like it, that's, you know, you yeah. might love it. And, and there might be this one person out there, Jacob, Jacob, <laughs> who Thank just, you, Jacob. <laughs> who just falls in love with this movie. And this movie is like the, um, the film of their, of the youth or of their, of that particular moment in time. <laughs> and I think, that, and I think, you know, like that, that quote like speaks to this specificity of the story yeah. that really works for it. This is the least thirsty film I've seen <laughs> in a long time. Yeah. We've, seen a lot of thirsty movies yeah. justice league yeah, well yeah so that was very nice <laughs> that is very nice i mean i i mean i like how you said that though about specificity and i think it's interesting because uh, just speaking for my own excuse me career um a lot, a lot of the movies that I have done, I think some people are like, nah, I don't know, it's not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's but that's great. So, like for example, it comes at night. I loved that movie, but but you, I mean, you were kind of 50-50 on. I was fifty fifty. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's totally. But the, it's not a you know that's not a slight on the movie. That's that kind. That's the kind of film it is. Yeah, yeah. and I, that's the kind of film this is. As well. I love that about that movie. To yeah. be honest with you too, and I love that about this movie. And I've a lot of like I just said a lot of the movies on my resume that <laughs> has happened for me personally. But I don't know. I just I've I personally have not made a crowd pleaser. Don't know if I will. Um, <laughs> like where everyone's like, yes, yeah. yes. Like, but I mean, that might be a little boring in my opinion. <laughs> well, the conversations definitely are not as um, as varied. I mean, you just you you no matter if you if you did something that was or if anybody does something that's like yeah, everyone loves it or everyone hates it. It's like well, there's the cool conversation yeah. is over and we will now move on to something else we can have a conversation about. Yeah. So like yeah, I don't know. I remember even reading a review for tramps at tiff and someone was even like saying i think they were like there are no stakes like something yeah. like that and it was just like it was interesting to have that perspective 
but yeah, I think the that thing that, struck, a, yeah, that, the thing that a, strikes yeah. me as odd about that is the stakes are so high for these two characters. Exactly. Yeah. They're, just, they're just not that high for. That's what I, I agree with you. Wholeheartedly that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, that comes from a person that does, <laughs> that, that, that makes three thousand dollars a few every other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the other argument of it too, right? Like they're like, there's no stakes because I think they want a heist movie or they were expecting a heist movie or thought this was you know, some hard hitting heist movie, which yeah. is, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going in, going in with um, that sort of, you know, what, it, th- that sort of thing strikes me as someone saw it or someone heard about it and then described it wrong. Mm-hmm. They didn't get sort of what it was to this other person, mm-hmm. and then they went in with a preconceived notion about what it was. Then when it wasn't it, they're like, oh, like it's just <laughs> that weird, I don't know, that word of mouth nonsense stuff. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I mean, I think I want to go out with with thank you again, Jacob, so much for for recommending this movie yes. to us, for 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 calling it out to us, coming and for, through again. Uh, yeah, because Jacob is a, is a listener who does watch a lot of movies that we don't get to see, uh, and will call out a lot of things. He's he's kind of the independent filmmaker's best friend. Um, <laughs> so we love that about Jacob. We love that he recommended this film. That's great. Um, thank you so much for coming on board to yeah. talk about it as well. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Super and, fun. Uh, please, listeners, if you have a film like Tramps or anything else, you know, maybe you want us to review Black Panther again, um, email us at, at onlymoviepodcast.gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at uh, onlymoviepod. Um, I would wholeheartedly, if you're a listener of this podcast, uh, and you most likely have a Netflix account, which means you have access to this wonderful <laughs> film at your fingertips right now and you could watch it and it is just a delight uh, and charming endearing film and I would wholeheartedly recommend it to all of our listeners. And it's supposed to snow really really badly in New York tomorrow so you yeah, could watch so it. There, there's literally no excuse. <laughs> it's a perfect snow day film if you're feeling extra cold reminding you what it's like to be hot and sweaty. And we didn't spoil a thing. Uh, Maybe Port Authority. Oh <laughs> uh, well, but it, it's a journey. We didn't spoil the journey. You didn't. You didn't spoil who the briefcase that would happen. Yep. So yeah. 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 That, yeah. We did mention their name, but I'm just not going to say who it was. <laughs> yeah. It does, doesn't matter. Anyway, I feel like it's this. This is a film that is uh, infinitely enjoyable. Uh, either going in cold or. Having listened to the show, <laughs> knowing what you know, <laughs> or watching "Give Me the Loot" and then watch it. There you go. Oh, I would, I, I would do it adamantly on double feature. Yeah, I, I, I did, and I love "Give Me the Loot." Yeah. "Give Me the Loot" is superb, and that is also available on Netflix, by yeah. the way, so you can watch. You can watch them both, and he's he's a great director. So, yeah. what, I, this, what a way to do a double feature. I hope that they don't like. It's it's really weird to say something like this, and I don't want to say it like <laughs> oh, too purportedly. But it's like I hope he doesn't get snatched up into doing a franchise film because <laughs> I want to see him do more of these. You know, like I, I would love Adam Leon to become like, and again, this is a bad reference, but to be the Woody Allen of like low stakes heist movies in New York or something like that. You know, it's like, well, don't marry your, your stepdaughter, but I'm just saying like, you're, you know, you're just digging, you're yeah. digging the hole and then stepping into it. Um, <laughs> Corey, when you are not uh, producing fabulous films for us to enjoy where can folks find you on the interweb if you oh, want geez. them to yeah. uh, I don't have a very large internet uh, presence but I I don't know you mean like do if you, I on Twitter, Twitter Instagram? Instagram I have a Twitter that I have not tweeted on in about four years I am on Instagram you okay. can totally find my Instagram I'm a well, I love what, the Instagram stories right now. I don't know why. They're, 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 they're way better than Snapchat at this yeah. point. <laughs> I've, never, I've never had Snapchat. Uh-oh. What's your Instagram handle? It's Corey 
C-O-R-E-Y, Deckler, D-E-C-K-L-E-R, but then a dash and then Spence, S-P-E-N-C, because that's my married name. Oh, there we go. I'm a hyphenate. You're personally, a hyphenate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, but a, a, a one per last name person uh, professionally. Yeah. I mean, there you go. It gets simpler well, that it's, way. It's tricky once you get married. You know, like, if you've got, like, professional credits, it's trickier when you, you know, like, you don't want to lose your credits, you know what I mean? And Shahir, when you are done with the shovel and you put it down yeah. and you're peeking out from where you just dug, where can folks find you? You can find me Woody Allening my life. Oh, oh man. Guys, what am I doing? Uh, on my website, shahirdowd.com, that's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com, which has links to my Twitter, Instagram, yeah. which there's no point in looking at it. Matt, when you, uh, when you are shoveling snow... Uh, on a snowy Astoria afternoon, where can, people, where can people find you? You can find me digitally throwing that sweet pow all around at <laughs> MatthewKroll.com, M-A-T-H-A-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, Pierre on Instagram or Emperor MSK on Twitter. Uh, thank you, everyone, you for listening. You cool. You have so many websites. We, yeah. we have so many things we read real fast in hopes I'm that like, no one ever goes. I'm like, you can usually find me on Sundays at Zablowski's in Williamsburg having a Bloody Mary. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Chubby Burgers on Astoria. Yeah. Looking out for Callum Turner. You can find me at the Sparrow Tavern, about two blocks down. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I got thrown up. Now we're just labeling places we like. Uh, anyway, Corey, thank you so much for coming on thank again. Thank you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 see you next week. Yeah, or you'll hear us. Possibly, you'll hear us tramping around, tramping it, tramps. Bye. Bye.